You are listening to Messy in the Middle, the show here to help you navigate the messy blend that is life and business today. I'm your host, Haley Johnson, and my guests and I are here to dish out all the hot takes, big wins, and seriously messy moments that come with being an entrepreneur. So grab another cup of coffee, you know you want to, and let's get into it. All right, welcome back to Messy in the Middle. With me today, I have my lovely marketing manager, marketing assistant, right-hand person, Angela. And we're going to talk about that chat GPT experiment slash prank that we pulled on you guys a couple weeks ago. (laughs) So Angela, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited. I'm always like on the other end of these things, which I will be for this too, but this is exciting. Yeah, now you get to cringe and listen and edit your own voice. (laughs) Myself. (laughs) Oh, boy. So I guess before we dive into the chat GPT stuff, do you want to just introduce yourself and tell our listeners maybe what you do for me, how you got started here, and then what you do when you're not working for me? Yeah, sure. It's all like funny, just happenstance. I feel like I kind of just fell into this world of marketing, social media, all that jazz. I have a background in musical theater. I studied musical theater. I still do musical theater professionally. And in the pandemic, I just started a blog because I had always wanted to start a blog. And I kind of fell in love with everything that came with putting together said blog. And then I needed, you know, a job because the theater world shut down as soon as I graduated college. And I was like, well, now I have all these skills. And then I just kind of like started applying on Indeed for anything that I was like, okay, I could remotely handle this. And then I applied for Propagy and the rest is, is history. So now I kind of, yeah. And I've kind of evolved when you say, I think like the position is evolved pretty, pretty in a pretty awesome way since I started. And so now I do like, you know, content creation, content management, scheduling, blog writing, email writing, podcast editing, which I was like, (laughs) never thought I would end up doing, but it's all, they're all amazing skills to have. And yeah, when I'm not doing all of these things, I'm somewhere singing and dancing (laughs) and doing some some musical theater in New York or Philly. I was on tour for a little bit, which was like cool and random. So I'm very grateful that like this job allows me to also still, you know, pursue other passions too, which is really awesome. Yeah. I think we both require a similar level of flexibility. I need a lot of flexibility and understanding because I change my mind a lot and I sometimes want to take things on and then I sometimes want to get them off my plate. And you need a lot of flexibility because sometimes you're in another state and sometimes you're like (laughs) on a stage when we're supposed to have meetings. And so I think that we've really been able to create an interesting, I think, company culture of it just kind of being the two of us. Um, and we're able to kind of give and take and, you know, operate in a really collaborative and I want to say symbiotic, but that might not be the right word way. And it leads really well into today's conversation, which is going to be about ChatGPT and AI, because I think that your role that maybe 
maybe not your role today, but maybe like the second iteration of your role, kind of like when we stopped doing client work and it started just being you creating content for me. Like to me, that feels like the picture of a job that people might be worried is being like taken away by chat GPT. And even when we were kind of starting this experiment, I was like, I feel like I'm just giving ChatGPT what I usually give to Angela and I have to do a lot more work to get ChatGPT to like give me what I want Angela to give me. So I guess we've never really talked about this, but have you ever like had thoughts about ChatGPT or AI like taking over that content creator or like content assistant role either for your you know, your job specifically, or just like in general, do you feel like there's going to be fewer opportunities because of ChatGPT? Or do you feel kind of like, satisfied with it? It's so funny that you say that, because like, before we really started talking about ChatGPT, like, I don't know if I was just like on another planet, (laughs) or just like not really paying attention to the world. Like, I don't know, but I kind of didn't really have a true understanding. Like, AI was kind of starting like people were doing those like, funny little like, Instagram photo things Mm -hmm. like wasn't that AI and and I was like oh this is kind of interesting and weird and then we had like toyed around with chat GPT a little bit and yeah it wasn't really until then that I was like oh like I mean this is this is interesting like but in doing this experiment in particular honestly I there was, I don't think there was ever a moment where I was like, oh, this is going to take my job. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I feel like, but I understand the the fear that people could have of it potentially taking over positions or, you know, like their positions having less to do because I, I think you could rely on it in some sense, but yeah, I don't, I really don't think it's just like being an actual person matters so much in what we do and what I do as you know like a content creator and you know writer copyright-esque sort of a thing Mm -hmm. that it's we came to find that like it's as much as you're like make this personal it's it's a robot (laughs) yeah and I think too you know chat GPT and AI and all of these different apps can do all of these different things But at the end of the day, if I decided to like eliminate your position and replace you with all of these different AI tools, well, then I need to spend time putting prompts and content and like beginnings into all of these different AI tools. And like, that's not time that I want to be spending doing that. So I think even as that, you know, content creator assistant role kind of shifts and changes to accommodate AI, there's still going to be a person doing that job because the person hiring that role doesn't want or have time to do it. Yeah, exactly. And no matter what you get, sure, you're getting a full blog post, but you can't, you can't just copy and paste that blog post Mm -hmm. and that you get from ChatGPT and put it on your blog. Like there has to be some form of like editing going on, which almost, I think like, yeah, kind of just like makes the job even, or the task that you're trying to accomplish with ChatGPT or AI, it, it adds almost like an extra step because you could just like, 
okay, write the blog post and then go in and edit it. Whereas you're like, okay, I have to come up with a prompt to put into ChatGPT. Then I have to pull it from ChatGPT. Then I have to edit it from ChatGPT. Then I have to make sure that those edits are approved by somebody Mm -hmm. else. Like it just adds this extra step that you're pretty much still doing even if you're not using AI. Yeah, like to some extent it can help maybe eliminate or shorten the research part of like writing a blog post totally but but also like you have to fact check chat gpt so does it really eliminate the research part so let's dive into the experiment a little bit because i have done some writing about this i wrote a guest blog post over at the lavender turtle which i'll link below kind of talking about this broader concept of why do you still need a copywriter in the age of chat gpt and that was kind of what inspired this experiment actually it's been a lot of like back and forth between that post and this experiment yeah. but i haven't really talked about the parameters of the experiment and what we actually did so I set out to challenge ChatGPT, myself, Angela, and then my new friend Jenny, who is an absolute gem because we met for the first time on Zoom. And at the end of it, I was like, hey, can you do this experiment for me? And she was like, yeah, sure. (laughs) Um, So I challenged all of us to create a week's worth of content. And we defined a week's worth of content as, you know, what we've had as our ideal week's worth of content for the last quarter or so. So it's a podcast episode, uh, an email promoting that podcast, an email newsletter, an email kind of wrapping up the week, a blog post about the podcast, and ideally like three TikToks about like the topic covered in the podcast. One of the biggest, I think, shortcomings of that strategy for us is that I never want to sit down and record the TikToks. And (laughs) that kind of proved to be the case in this week as well, because it came time to do it. And like, I just didn't want to. And so I didn't. So yeah, AI can never really replace people because AI does what you tell it to. So (laughs) for the first kind of round of the experiment, oh, and then the rules were you can only use three prompts per piece of content and whatever piece of content ChatGPT spits out at the end of the day, you can't edit. So that kind of, you know, goes against what Angela, you were saying before, where like you kind of have to edit it so it doesn't sound like Mm -hmm. AI. But I wanted there to be some level of like scientific, like standardization for this. Um, And I felt like one asking, you know, Jenny to edit ChatGPT content about something that's not her industry, like that didn't really feel fair. Um, And also I kind of was like, well, if I have to edit it, I don't want to. So I'm not going to. So like, we're just (laughs) no edits allowed three prompts max. And then you could get like a bonus fourth prompt. If your third prompt spit out an incomplete piece of content, because we learned in the process of doing this, that ChatGPT has a character limit. So the first kind of round of the experiment, I just gave the list to ChatGPT and I said, create me this week's worth of content. Um, And this is where I discovered the character limit. Because it kind of just like stopped in the middle. And so my second prompt was, what about the rest? But in the bigger picture, we didn't really get what we asked for by just asking ChatGPT for the whole thing. Um, I asked for a 15 minute content or podcast script and I got about 
three paragraphs. I asked for a 500 to 1000 word blog post, which I think on the 1000 words is definitely more than ChatGPT can handle in one go. Um, But even on 500, we got like an intro sentence, a conclusion sentence and three bullets. And that was the blog post, (laughs) which like, if I asked you to write me a 500 to 1000 word blog post, and you turned back and handed me that I would be like, um, come again you're fired like listen to basic (laughs) instructions and then in general all of the content like the biggest problem that I had with it was that it was too short um which I think to some degree can be attributed to just that character limit and chat GPT kind of fighting with their character limit and also trying to give you everything that you've asked for but then my final kind of issue with it was I very specifically asked for TikTok scripts, like 15 to 30 second TikTok scripts. And in almost every, you know, iteration of getting that from ChatGPT, I just got a sentence of like, this is what you should do in the video, which was very much not what I asked for. Yeah, that was the like coming up with prompts for that. Yeah, that was like definitely the weakest aspect of the whole thing like I remember I think I one of them I put in and I I don't even think it gave me like ideas it was just like a TikTok like it was it was just bad it was bad and then I was like oh I mean I mean you could just spend a little bit of time scrolling through your for you page and pick three trending sounds or three trending ideas and you could probably do it in less time than it would take you to like look at this chat GPT prompt air quotes prompts that they gave you and then be like okay well what do I do with that like I it just is like probably creating again more time than is really necessary for a short form video content piece yeah especially when you consider that like looking at I know we don't have any chat GPT created TikToks to compare like stats wise but if you look at the stats of you know, our reels that have popped off or our TikToks that have done really well. Like they're all the ones where I just had like an unhinged thought and decided the world needed to know. And so like, you can't really A, get ChatGPT to give you that. And B, if you're putting that much energy into like getting it from ChatGPT, like just getting something from them, it's kind of like, what's the point? Yeah. So that was the the ChatGPT exclusive kind of option. And then we used my content to actually create a week of content for our own social media and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I initially planned to have it be my ChatGPT generated content. I think initially I thought like, oh, I'll do it. Angela will do it. Jenny will do it. And then like, we'll be able to kind of pick and choose and play around. But I think I learned through this process that because I knew what I wanted out of ChatGPT, my answers and like output were the ones that I was the least uncomfortable sharing under like my brand and my name. How did you feel when you were going through the experiment and having it, you know, spit out the content? Like what was your approach to then using the follow-up prompts to kind of mold it into what you wanted? Yeah, I, so I started doing the same thing that you did. I just was like, write a blog post this many words about 
this topic, like just putting it in cold, not giving any kind of instruction of like, make it a little longer, make it a little shorter, make it sound like this, make whatever. Uh, and then the second time around, I started to kind of tweak those things of like a tone shift or, you know, lengthwise, because I'd be like, all right, well, this email doesn't need to be this long. We wouldn't send an email, you know, mm -hmm. this long or, or this short sort of a thing. And I felt like tone was a really big thing that I felt like I had to ask it to mm -hmm. try to shift because honestly, like it all kind of sounds like a, like a creepy, like old man. I don't know. Like <laughs> I kind of felt like it's, it's all like greetings podcast listeners or like, mm -hmm. like just like weird stuff like that, that it's like, nobody talks like that. Like nobody realistically is mm -hmm. like, hello everybody like I don't know maybe some people are but like for us for our brand like your brand it was like we're very much like hey guys what's up you know like yeah. kind of a chill sort of a thing and even like even in still some of the stuff that we ended up using for the week like I it was so funny I remember I think it was the one of the emails maybe like the ICYMI email at the end of the week mm -hmm. and you were like this is gross but it's fine. Like that's okay because it's the least gross of the options we had. Like it was yeah. just weird. <laughs> no, I think, I think we wound up not even doing that ICYMI because I'm pretty sure mm. we didn't have one go out that week. For our listeners who aren't on our email list, ICYMI is slash was like a Sunday roundup email that we send. TBD if we're going to keep sending them. But yeah, I think we decided not to do it for that week. But it was the Mostly Thursdays email where our Mostly oh, yeah, Thursdays yeah. email are very much like, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What am I kind of riled up about in the world of marketing today? I'm going to not edit a single word and press send. And the Mostly Thursdays email that we had ChatGPT spit out was very like, here are some marketing tips and we're going to yeah. talk about staying consistent and have you heard of Hootsuite? And like, I hated it. It wasn't like so bad that I didn't feel like we could post it, but I yeah. definitely was like keeping an eye on like our opens and our unsubscribes and stuff as we were sending out that content because I was just like, I don't know what this is going to do. And I don't know what my plan would have been if all of a sudden we got like a million unsubscribes, but I just like <laughs> felt like I needed to keep an eye on it. And then I obviously we don't have Jenny here to talk about her experience, but she sent me over her stuff. And then just in her email, she was like, I had no idea what to do for the second and third prompts. So I just yeah. did one prompt for everything. And like, here's what it gave me. Um, and I think that's a really good example for what happens if you do try to eliminate that content creator role or you do try to eliminate that copywriter role is you get someone who doesn't know what they want because they're not supposed to know what they want like that's not their right job like Jenny's an operations person she's good at operations but like she doesn't know yeah. what I'm looking for you know from voice from length from like none of it because she's not supposed to so I think that if we were to draw any conclusions from the experiment, it would definitely be that like you can't just completely wing it and use ChatGPT. Like you have to dedicate some amount of like time and energy to it. 
And if you want to do that, great. But I'm also guessing if you want to do that, you weren't going to hire someone to help you with your content. Because I think the amount of energy you would have to put into one versus the other, like, is kind of the same. And then, yeah, I think when it came to, like, my output versus your output, like, either one could have been fine. I was just like, if I'm going to put something out here that I don't love, I want it to at least be something that I don't love that I created. Like, I want to be responsible for it if it flops. (laughs) Overall, do you have, like a final sentence or thought on your experience of using ChatGPT to approach the content creation? I think I would say you need to be more of an individual because even in the content, like, yeah, like either one of our outputs could have been used, even in like the better stuff of mine, like there wasn't that much of a difference in terms of the content, maybe like how it sounded and mm-hmm. based on like different prompts that we used, but it really wasn't all that unique. Like mm-hmm. there wasn't anything unique about it. So I guess I would really say if you are wanting to have that unique personal approach in your content, which is really important for any kind of growth or sales or whatever like you have to be yourself and you have to go out and actually say what you want to say chat gbt is definitely not going to take the place of that Mm -hmm. yeah i would agree and i would also say that um and this kind of ties into we're getting into the results of the experiment the idea like it was very generic like anyone could have said it which makes sense because it's literally an amalgamation of all of the content that already exists yeah written by all of the people that have already written in the way that all of the other people already talk um I think kind of just like by like the laws of averages like it's gonna wind up being like kind of average kind of generic kind of whatever um yeah and I think that that can be fine in like a one-off situation but long term I don't think it will help you find success. Like, do I think that maybe in the future there might be a week or two where I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm supposed to write. Chat GPT, tell me what to do. Maybe. But I think if I start leaning on it too heavily as an option, like the audience will start to realize that they're not getting anything from you that they can't get elsewhere. And so they're not going to let you take up the time in their ears in their inbox on their screen because it's like you're not getting anything from it I think one of the really interesting ways that I was able to accidentally illustrate this was through our email because Mm -hmm. we did this experiment in the middle of like a list growth explosion because we participated in a bundle so between starting the experiment and or no I guess like just before we started the experiment our list went from like 560 to like 800 Mm -hmm. and I knew that there was going to be a big difference in the people who were new to our list and the people who'd been on our list for a while and so what we did was we created a segment for the new people and a segment for the people who'd been around for a while and we made sure to send the same email to each segment just so that we could split their behavior 
Now, the reason I did this was because I thought that the new people were going to be like overwhelmed from other emails that they were getting from the bundle, more likely to unsubscribe because like they're getting this shit content from me as their first like <laughs> introduction. Hello, here's who I this. Am. <laughs> Hi, here's the most generic piece of content I've ever created. Have fun. <laughs> um, but what was interesting actually is that didn't happen. So we have, I would say, an average for our podcast emails open rate of about 40% and an average open rate for our Mostly Thursdays, which is our newsletter emails, of about 42-43%. So when we look at the podcast email, our subscribers that are normally getting our emails, normally opening them, normally engaging, only 33% opened that podcast email with the ChatGPT generated subject line. Whether they didn't find the subject line compelling, whether they weren't interested in the topic, I don't know what happened, but that was by, I think, like 4%, the lowest open rate we'd had from those subscribers in ever, basically. Yeah. Seven people clicked through, but nobody unsubscribed. And I think the reason nobody unsubscribed is because I actually had ChatGPT put in a disclaimer at the bottom of the email that was like, just so you know, this was created by AI. We didn't really do this. (laughs) Mostly because I was scared and I didn't want to let my audience go if they thought that I was just going to like flip a switch and start creating generic content. Um, I tried to be really conscious and like cognizant of the fact that I'm creating content that people are spending time in their lives to digest and I don't want to waste their time so I kind of wanted to give the heads up of like it's not always going to be like this but then what's interesting is the people who were new 42% opened that email which is uh one of the highest open rates we've had for the entire season um the only email for the podcast that had a higher open rate than that was our like messy in the middle is back like season premiere email which Mm -hmm. I found really interesting we did get some unsubscribes from that one but that's kind of to be expected because these are people who kind of just showed up on my list one day because they wanted access to your perfect profile for free and if that's all they were interested in that's fine but we had a four percent click-through rate which is like quadruple any of our other click-through rates um Mm -hmm. so clearly the people who did open were interested in you know the content and in checking it out I think for that maybe then the chat GPT aspect was kind of like a bonus for them of like oh I'm interested to see what this is about um yeah and then kind of jumping ahead a little bit I did hedge my bets there and kind of say in the podcast episode itself like I'm sorry for what you're about to listen to but like (laughs) it'll get better I promise (laughs) (laughs) um the podcast I felt from an experimental perspective I knew the only thing we would be able to measure was downloads and so we just did like downloads for the first seven days and um I don't think I have all of our first seven days downloads written down but we it was on par with the rest of them you know within our first seven days we probably get five new 
downloads in the first seven days for every new episode so like Mm -hmm. if the first episode of the season had 20 then the second episode of the season would have 25 and then there's like then 30 and then etc like we kind of have are growing steadily in that way um with some fluctuation between solo episodes and guest episodes guest episodes typically do better within the first seven days but if you compare the first seven of that episode with the first seven of another solo episode they were about on par it was maybe a little bit less but nothing Mm -hmm. that made me be like oh no everyone's gonna stop listening to my podcast Um, yeah and I think a lot of that has to do with the topic itself which was creating content when you're busy do you want to talk a little bit about that topic and what you thought about maybe me choosing it compared to some of the other topics that we had on our calendar? Yeah, I actually think that it, I think it was kind of perfect for what this was. It was like something that, I mean, it was really good to measure because I think that that's something that just like everybody who is doing some kind of marketing or creating content, like I think everybody can relate to that notion at some point whether they're doing it themselves or they have somebody else doing it for them like I I think that it was really relatable so measuring you know like who was gonna who was gonna come look at this regardless of whether it was like a chat GPT generated thing Mm -hmm. or if we had come up with it you know like on our own we'd come up with our own content and shared something about it I think it was like people probably came to it being like, okay, I really like, I want to know more. And then maybe if they were like, this seems like, (laughs) I don't know, you know? So I guess like in terms of measuring that, I think it was like a really good topic to choose. But I think that there are so many other ways to, you know, like handle creating content when you're busy that like ChatGPT didn't cover. Like yeah. there are, I think that there are ways to talk about it that are unique and again, like personal. And that's, it's also a really personal topic. Like we are people, we are busy people. Everybody deals with that. Everybody has something else going on in their lives. So I think approaching that topic with like a more empathetic approach just because we're people and like everybody gets it that's so important and chat gpt can't really give you that Mm -hmm. or like it can but it's it still kind of sounds like weirdly chipper and like not that you shouldn't be chipper about talking about that but it's like i don't know it was just it was just weird there was no relatable like aspect to the content that came out it was kind of just like here's some ideas because we said so like yeah it to me the advice and like the content we got from chat gpt kind of felt like so like I have ADHD and it kind of felt to me like when I tell someone that and I'm like oh I have a hard time like staying on top of whatever and they're like have you used a planner (laughs) what if (laughs) what if you just do it (laughs) what if if instead of being overwhelmed you just weren't it's like yeah well it's like that tiktok sound where it's like what if you just called taylor up yes (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, but in general, I think that made it, it made it a really safe topic. It made me, it made it something that I like, wasn't worried about chat GPT, like putting out advice that like goes against my values. But I also think that it made it be a topic that nobody felt like they had to download that podcast episode right away. No one saw that and was like, I need to know what Haley has to say about this. Yeah. Because like. I don't know. I think everyone kind of knows how to create content consistently when they're busy. And it's just the matter of like getting the support that you need at the time based on like whatever you're going through. Um, And my approach, like I talk about at the end of that episode, that's not scripted by ChatGPT is very much like give yourself grace. Don't make yourself feel like shit for not creating the amount of content you feel like you're supposed to create. Like not the end of the world. Yeah. Live. Um, and that's an approach that like, it's not sexy. No one's going to click on that. But like, I think everyone needs to hear it every now and then. Um, so I hope that people who did download the episode, at least stick through to the end to like, get that like, big sister advice. Yeah. And then we have the mostly Thursdays email, which similar to the podcast email performed way better with the new people than it did with the old people. Um, And I think that makes sense because it was consistent from the podcast email earlier that week, like it was on the same topic and they weren't yet like feeling as though they weren't going to get value from it. The open rate did dip from podcast to mostly Thursdays across both audiences, um, Mm -hmm. which is interesting because mostly Thursdays typically has a higher open rate than our podcast emails. Yeah. Um. So we had a 40.5% open rate for the newer group and a 32.7% open rate for the older group, which is the lowest, I think the lowest open rate on this, <laughs> on this piece of paper. Um, yeah. So the Mostly Thursdays listeners or the Mostly Thursdays readers did not get what they signed up for when they received <laughs> that email. And I am thankful that only four people chose to unsubscribe from our original (laughs) our original audience we also had two clicks from each audience I don't even remember what the call to action was there um and then the newer audience also had two unsubscribes um and we kind of fluctuate between like zero and two unsubscribes per mostly Thursdays so that's pretty standard and then we didn't talk about the podcast unsubscribes, but we had four unsubscribes from the podcast email and the podcast uh, emails typically range from like zero to seven. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people really don't like our guests, I guess, because the guest ones are the ones that have the most unsubscribes. So I guess That's... this is a warning to anyone who's interested in being a guest on the podcast is it might be <laughs> controversial. Um, <laughs> but I think it's also because I like... I like to start shit on the guest episodes and I like to talk about (laughs) things that people don't want to talk about. Not in a bad way. I'm not going to bully you. We have fun. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no. So yeah, that's kind of where the emails stood. I think there's definitely like was not as much interest or engagement from the people who know what to expect from us. And I think that is telling us that if we continue to create content like this, we're not going to get the results we want to get from our email list. So for us, I would say that means that ChatGPT most certainly cannot replace the lovely Angela. 
Um, but I don't know if anybody can. Um, <laughs> and then for the newer subscribers, um, we don't really know a lot about the demographic or like psychographic differences in those two audiences. Um, mm-hmm. Because I have built my audience a lot through bundles and specifically through giving away your perfect profile um that's been a big like bundle favorite so I know that there are a lot of people who came to my list with the same mindset as the people in that smaller group but I don't know if maybe this one just reached a different audience or if they just haven't gotten used to me yet so they didn't know what to expect or what to like or what to dislike Um, I'm kind of tempted to keep the two split for a little bit and see as Mm -hmm. our content kind of returns to normal how the two groups behave. Um, But I also don't know if that's actually worth the effort. So we'll (laughs) see. (laughs) Um, And then the last thing that we did kind of a comparison for was the Instagram carousel, which was actually very interesting. So what I did for the carousel is I compared the um engagement to reach with like a percentage across all of our carousels for this like quarter or this like season of the podcast they're not podcast Mm -hmm. carousels but this is like the period of time that we've been most consistent with content and so within the first like it wasn't even a full week I think of the Instagram carousel that you put out we had three likes (laughs) 42 account (laughs) rates 42 accounts reached and one save. Now, we don't really do a lot on Instagram. We don't really focus a lot on Instagram. I think after this is over, we're going to do even less on Instagram just because Mm -hmm. we've kind of talked about this, you know, offline. And it's just not getting us the results that we want, both from like a vanity perspective with like likes and stuff. And also just, I don't think anyone is reading our carousels and then deciding that they want to work with us. And really that's the point of all of this content. Um, Right. So not that this matters, but the ChatGPT carousel, um, the images were generated by you, but the content was generated by the blog post generated by ChatGPT. Um, so we had three likes, 42 accounts reached, and one save, which is a 9% engagement rate. But that was only within like a few days. So then this is where it gets really interesting is the first post that I did after the ChatGPT one, like going backwards, had one like, zero saves, and 47 accounts reached and so I was like oh wow like that's way worse <laughs> than the chat GPT yeah. one um because that's a 4.2 percent engagement rate um but then if you go back I'm not going to read all of the numbers but we've got a 10.9 percent engagement rate 5.7 percent 9 percent 10.9 10.7 so that carousel that was done by chat GPT is actually performing really well compared to the rest of our content Um, Mm -hmm. but I think then when you think about audience and you think about who we're trying to reach and who we're trying to connect to is we really want to work with those, you know, mid-stage entrepreneurs who are at the like $200,000, $300,000 per year revenue standpoint. Mm -hmm. I don't think those are the ones (laughs) engaging with content about, how to stay consistent with your marketing when you're busy because they know the answer is to hire someone. So I think even though we were able to get Instagram approved content from ChatGPT, 
I don't think that that means we got helpful to our bottom line content from ChatGPT. And I think that kind of gets me into like a weird brain moment about like, Instagram's run by the algorithm and ChatGPT's a robot. So the robots are talking to each other. And that's why the content did so well. Like, (laughs) I don't even want to go there. (laughs) Yeah. But it was definitely an interesting part of it. So yeah, that was our ChatGPT experiment. There are a lot of reasons that this is not scientifically sound. And none of our data, I would say, could be considered statistically significant. I didn't even Mm -hmm. bother running like regressions and all of that. Like, math stuff to prove it because I don't think it's worth the time but in kind of like the bigger picture abstract sense I think we learned that chat GPT will not replace you chat GPT is not going to completely like sweep in and take over the copywriting industry yeah chat GPT is busted the people versus chat GPT people (laughs) win the people (laughs) win every time yeah so that concludes this chat GPT experiment that concludes this episode of Messy in the Middle. Thank you so much, Angela, for joining me and yeah. for helping with this experiment. I want to say another extra special thank you to Jenny. She's an operations consultant, and she really helped us out by bringing a non-marketing perspective to this experiment. If you want to download the case study with all of the data, some snippets of you know our content versus Jenny's content versus ChatGPT's content and get all of the like deeper analysis out of it if you're more of a reader um, you can do that at a link that I will put in the bio I don't know what the url is going to be yet Um, (laughs) but yeah thanks for listening and stick around next week for another episode of messy in the middle bye